of one of the top 10 most influential men on the planet. Hey, it's Jason Capital. Jason Capital, he is the preeminent expert. Jason Capital has been recognized as a top 100 entrepreneur by the White House. There's very few people in the world like Jason Capital. He gets right to the core. Surrounds you with an energy unlike anything you've ever experienced. There's a ton of value, but it's presented in a really consumable way. In my definition, the way I describe freedom is getting what you want, when you want, with who you want. This is pretty much just an awakening to the world. Jason Capital. A lot of people say email marketing is dead. Yeah. And that it's dying. It's funny. And, and you <laughs> laugh about it because yeah. we're, we're in this gorgeous mansion here on the water. And, and as I joked outside, this is a house built by email marketing. Yeah, no, it is. And in 2019 uh -huh. and 2020, email marketing is still a huge, huge yeah. part of your business. Uh, it's more than half our revenue. Yeah. yeah. So what, one, what do you say to the people who are like, it's dying? And two, what's the most important thing email marketers should know in 2020? Mr. Joel Marion. That's me. That's what's up, you. brother? Long time coming, this interview. Long time. <laughs> uh, 10 years. Yes. Yes, sir. I remember Ryan Lee's event. I remember meeting you at Ryan Lee's event. I remember what I remember is that so I knew Craig before, and he'd uh -huh. mentioned, "Hey, Joel's going to be there. See if you can like talk to him." And you were eating protein cookies, <laughs> but not one, like twelve yeah, protein yeah. cookies. And I think Craig had warned me. He was like, "The man has a big appetite for yeah. life," or something like that. <laughs> but you also had a crowd of people all around you because you were like the king of the the fitness industry, like this, this guy who come out of nowhere and had the biggest launch in, in ClickBank history for fitness. Yeah. And, and everyone, everyone out there had been selling, you know, $27 eBooks, but they were making a couple hundred grand a year thinking that was cool. And then you come in and you make, I think 300 grand in a week. Yeah. Yeah. We little 461,000 we did in, to the in three days. Yeah. It, <laughs> it was, uh, it was one of those things where I was a relatively new player and I very quickly became one of the most well-known. It was it was a little it was a little on cloud nine. It was honestly a little surreal um, being at that event because Ryan Lee was a mentor of mine, and then that was the first time I met Ryan in person. I mm -hmm. thank him for um, introducing me to this world of information marketing, and through him I learned from some other cats that we all know, Yannick Silver. You learned copywriting from. It's funny. I bought his copywriting course but I, I never really opened it. Um, I just learned copy from reading the sales letters. And then that's when I realized the best way to learn anything is just success leaves clues, right? So yeah. you, I'm reading this thing that's got me all excited about buying. How did he do that? Yeah. You know, and, and I'm not somebody like I can pick up on these things once I see it. Right. You don't have to explain this to me. Like I, like I'm going to read, I see what you did there. I, uh, I see how you compared it to the value of something else. And you made this a no brainer offer. Right. Yeah. You know, like I got the concepts and then I started reading more copy, more copy. And then, um, same thing. I brought mass control from Frank Kern. I just felt like at the end of the launch, I had to buy a product just to say thanks for letting me watch this whole thing roll out, you know? But as, <laughs> as you're watching that, I remember you telling me about Jeff Walker's also. Right, I think you right. bought that and never mm -hmm. went through it either. Right. But you followed the launch. I, uh, you gave me a, the course was the launch. You yes. Know? <laughs> it was a demonstration of everything right. he's teaching. Right. But most people, when they're watching that launch, they're watching it as they're consuming as it's like entertainment. Right. You're sitting there. I don't know if you got a piece of paper and like a notepad, but you're – you're watching it. From oh yeah, I was reference. writing stuff down every 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 step of the way with Jeff Walker's thing. I had like a you know like a page of notes on exactly, okay, day seven. Here's what you do because here it is day seven. He's doing it. You know, it's a the 
product comes out and then here's the follow-ups here. Like, yeah, I just, I just mapped it all out. And then I think I did open up a couple of the PDFs that were with product launch formula. And I'm like, yeah, it's the same thing on some of my notes. Like I just, I wrote the course for like uh, access to the course. So you, what's incredible to me about you, for those that don't know, obviously we'll put like a bio for Joel in the description mm -hmm. because maybe some of my audience don't know, but you were, you were like my first big marketing mentor for sure. Yeah. And yeah, but, you're, you're selling ball handling DVDs. I was selling ball handling DVDs <laughs> at the time. But one of the most amazing things about you is that, like, I remember John Romanello telling me, he was like, Joel is the only person I know who never reads a book, and yet he's a better writer than everybody. <laughs> where, do you, where do you think that comes from? Um, it's practice. You know, reading and writing are two very different things in my mind. Um, obviously, I can, uh, and, and it's not like I never read, right? Like, I've. I read, I just, I, I read, I don't read books. No, I don't read books cover to cover very rarely. Even in, you know, my, my spiritual side, like I, I want to get fed spiritually. So, but I never buy the books that are full books. I always buy the devotionals that are like a page and a half per day. You know, yeah, I mean? that's, like, that's, that's, that's my tolerance for like reading <laughs> in a day. Like, okay, a page and a half. I'm good with that. Or, you know, I bust out the Bible and, and, uh, the message Bible is written in today's language, so I like it. it's kind of like a novel. But like I'll I'll read like two pages, you know, and 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 pick out what's the meat here. Let me let me brew on this. I don't need to I don't need to read because books, right? I think you can read a couple pages if they're if it's done the right way. You can read a couple pages. You get a nugget that let me digest this before I go because like oh I read a book a week. That's great. Well, what did you do with the information? How much money did you make from that business book that you read? Right. I know people have read hundreds of books and make no income. Yep. You know, it's just like. I'd rather read what matters, right? Like I'll get a, I'll get the boring stuff. People will think of the boring stuff. I'll get a video sales letter transcribed, and I'll read the script just so I can learn some new tactics that I can apply to my marketing. So, so when when you started writing fitness sales letters all the way to BioTrust VSLs and different things like that, are you like I know you've talked about that you studied all, like you basically you taught yourself copy. Yeah, you would study other people's sales letters. I think you still, like you said, you transcribed. Yeah, today. I mean, there's probably a few resources that I opened up some PDFs and went through or something, but it was never like I never. Yannick Silver's course was was uh, ten DVDs. But when you when you uh -huh. go through the transcriptions, though, this is what I'm I'm interested in. Yeah, yeah. Are you sitting there with a pen and you're yeah, making, you're you're for sure. you're no. like deconstructing this thing? I'm exactly. I'm reverse engineering everything and anything like if I like it, I'll. I'll highlight it. I'll take notes in the margin. If, if if it speaks to me, I'm like, all right. If if you would have got me with that, like, all right, that's that's a good tactic, you yeah. know. Like, or, or I or I see the value in in whatever it is that you just did there, or I see how you opened up a loop, whatever it is, right? I can see how it can be more engaging. To, although you did something that I didn't, I see why you did that, right? I'm always reading it and saying. No, no one who's a copywriter whose end goal is to sell something. There's no part of the a good sales letter anyway. There's no part of it that's on accident. Yes, it's all every every paragraph, every section has a purpose. So what I ultimately did was, uh, you know, success leaves clues. I'm studying all the best stuff, and there's no one universal format to write a sales letter. Uh, there's there's of course, you're going to have a head, on a long-form sales letter, you're going to have a, a, a headline. You're going to establish rapport and cred credibility, you know, to, to establish trust. And then you're going to uh, problem solution and all that stuff. And um, there were the main elements. But then I always tried to figure out how can I make this unique to me. So I, can't, I, I borrowed from the best. I modeled. And then I put together my own format. And then I had uh, the first time I wrote a VSL was for a Leptoburn product. We launched it and we did three million, three million bucks. That's my first VSL I ever wrote. Um, 
I was I was uh, I, I wrote uh, long form copy for a long time. I did these million dollar launches at fitness, mm-hmm. and then we had a supplement company, and I was the marketing guy. So my partner was like, "All right, we want to do a video sales letter," and uh, I was like, "I got this," you know, like, oh, "I got this." Never written one before. What did I do? I just <laughs> went to ClickBank and I top three products are all VSLs. I'm like, so I know this works. So let me just get those transcribed and let's go to work. And then there was one other company called Real Dose that was mm-hmm. uh, had a supplement VSL for a, a, a weight loss uh, a weight loss supplement. So I'm like, all right. There, the reason here's the reason, and, and if Mike, Michael and Buck are are listening to this now, <laughs> then you, they don't know this, but the reason why we started BioTrust was Real Dose was the first supplement VSL ever that I was aware of. Anyway, I think it was the first. VSLs were still relatively new, and it was the first VSL. They had this doctor that then, and, and uh, we promoted it. Um, it was for a weight loss supplement with a VSL. First time anyone had ever done it. And I think on, at the time I was making like 10 grand commission on, on an average email that I would send. Maybe not even that. Maybe it was like seven or something. And I promoted it and did made 25 grand. And I just, I called Josh because he had talked to me about doing this supplement thing before. And I wasn't really, I was like, eh, I think about it. You know, I wasn't, re- and then I was like, ah, we got to do it. And, you know, like, like clearly, clearly this is way better than anything I'm promoting on the ebook side. If you got the, the know-how to do supplements, then let's go. And uh, yeah, the rest was history. But I, I never wrote a VSL. So what I do? I got all the best VSLs transcribed, got the real dose thing transcribed. And I said, what's the magic in all of these things? Borrowed something from here, modeled something from there, pieced together my own format, and then wrote the copy. And, uh, you know, went back and revised it numerous times, made sure it was as perfect as it could be. And next thing you know, we did $3 million in a launch. Then that's when we knew, like, this, this lights out for this company. We're, we're like, $3 million launch. For, and it wasn't even, like, a pre-launch with email opt-in and all that. It was literally just, just a VSL. to a VSL. Yeah, so $3 bucks, and then we were like, all right, let's write the next VSL. <laughs> and, it's, and now BioTrust is how big? Uh, $650 million in sales. Um, that was the catalyst to us doing 80 million on our first year our goal was to do 10 million then we had done like 5 million within our first 60 days within our first 30 days so we're like uh we better reevaluate this goal you know but we didn't we were just like let's go as hard as we can we didn't even have a number that we were shooting for and um 80 million our first 12 months we launched the q4 of 2012 and 2013 we did 100 and i remember telling you you're at my wedding (laughs) and i remember us sitting out there in the you know the the lobby area and i told you like we're gonna launch something supplement company and we're pretty much going to put prograde out of business you told me that yep and you also (laughs) you also told me you go we're gonna build this into this is what you said i'm gonna build this into a sixty million dollar a year supplement company. Yeah, yeah. And you said it like that was that was the ceiling. All right. And then I remember checking back like yeah, two I re- months yeah, later. Yeah, I remember it. that was our goal for an exit. I'm like, we can exit this thing for like sixty mil, you know, like and then we do eighty million our first year. Just, I definitely came out swinging, but I didn't know my own strength, you know. We like hit it not not just a home run, but we literally hit it out of the ballpark. I think a big difference between you though and a lot of entrepreneurs there's a lot of entrepreneurs who follow you, learn from you, who make Six figures, seven figures, mm-hmm. even eight figures, but their set point is much lower. Yeah, they like if they do three million on the first launch, they party and they go yeah. chill for a couple months. 
but you go, yeah, we need to hit way harder in this accelerator and go faster. What, do you do you agree with that? Like, what do you think that the difference? Yeah, well, is? the one I see something that works, and I'm just all about opportunity because I've been around this. You know, even at that point, I saw what happened with launches. I was the launch guy, and then everyone else was the launch guy. You yeah. know, there was uh, it went from me doing the big launch, and then like a launch here and there. I was doing one launch per quarter. Well, when you find something that works. You go. I'm going to squeeze all the juice out until there's nothing left. Because I know it's because I know the juice is running out. Not just for me, but for everybody. Because everyone's a freaking robot in in this. Uh, you know, it's a copycat syndrome. Yep. I come out with the with the launch model that I did. wasn't wasn't I borrowed again? I borrowed stuff from Jeff Walker. I borrowed stuff from Frank Kern. I created my own thing. I was actually thinking about coming out with an info like a an, an info um, product uh an internet make money product called the two-week takeover I had domain registered too <laughs> right it's called two-week takeover <laughs> i never did because i got busy with other stuff but like i perfected the launch model of exactly how we did it next thing you know you got all these other guys in the space who are literally copying every single thing that i did on this day you do this on this day you do this like it's just a two-week format and the last three days were the, the on sale to the t right so then it was a launch happening literally every week. Then all the affiliates got sick of it. They're like, oh, everyone's, I'm tired of these launches. Everyone's promoting at the same time. So that died because everyone else ruined it. So here I am, and I'm like, we're, we're the best in supplements right now until everyone else just copies what we're doing, right? And now you got Organifi, and, and, and then you got the Dr. Axis and all these other guys out there who are a little bit different from us. But like within our direct space, you had Real Dose who tried to compete. They're, they weren't able to compete with us. You had ProGrade, who you'd think they would have put up some kind of fight to stay in the game, but they just folded. And then you have new players like the Organifies out there. Golden Hippo, would they fall in there? Well, uh, right. So Golden Hippo, Craig Clemens, they came after us. Uh, and they're bigger than us, though. So this, I know that this is coming. You know, I know that this kind of follow the leader, and I've always been the leader in the space, mm-hmm. but. I always have people just watching what Joel's going to do because that's what I'm going to do next. You know, instead of like innovating your own thing and and actually coming up with something that's that's worth doing, maybe somebody else can emulate or maybe that I could learn from. I've always kind of been the one like, oh, lead generation, uh, opt, my opt-in page for launches was like I can't tell you how many people like ripped off the same exact landing page. I'm like, can you can you really not think on yeah. your own at all? I take but, pride. I take pride <laughs> in the fact. I always asked you first before I Right. Do. Well it's fine <laughs> to borrow and model, right? But just don't like literally right click, save image as and like put that on your webpage, especially without talking to somebody. But um you know, for me, I saw the opportunity here and I know that's not gonna work forever. And every single little thing that I find, I find a little tweak. Like we start playing with from names in, in the email game, right? I'm like, let me just squeeze all the juice out of this orange as quickly as I can because literally everyone else is going to copy it. And then I got people that I do a lot of business with who literally just model everything that I do on, on email. It's just – and it's fine. I, I you know, I, I guess I taught, I taught people some of this stuff, but I wish they'd be a little bit more creative. But I have literally, literally other businesses that uh, we share a lot of the same customers and subscribers because we do so much together, and they are just – more or less copying everything that I'm doing, just hanging on to what's Joel going to do next, what's the next big thing. And I already know that whatever I find that's a big breakthrough, that's like, oh, crap, I double conversions. Like, in, you, you would think that that would last a little longer than six months, but it never does. You know, it's everyone else jumps on it, and then next thing you know, you have to find what's the next big thing. Mm-hmm.
You have to keep creating fast and they can copy. Right. And uh, being innovative is um, is the reason why that we sit here at, at pretty much at the top of our industry because yeah. we're always innovating. You know, just uh, not to say everyone else is a copycat. There's some other innovators in the space, but 80, 85, maybe even 90% are just, the you know, they're following what we're doing. And fine, they're, they're affiliates of ours. They send us sales and, and all that stuff. But, like, not a whole lot of originality out there for sure. So right now, obviously, I mean, you alluded to this, is that, like, you guys lead in supplements. And in the past, now, and in the future, we're going to see more and more people coming out with their own supplements, personal mm -hmm. brands. Because the barrier to entry to create your own supplement is a lot easier now than maybe it used to be. Everyone's got a VSL supplement funnel now. Even if they don't have a company, they don't have a real company. It's white label something. Next thing you know, they're, yeah. they're, they're selling some supplement that, that, you know, of course, it burned two pounds of belly fat overnight. Who wouldn't want it? Right, right. <laughs> take four hundred milligrams. Garbage formula format. costs four dollars a bottle to make. Meanwhile, I got a real quality formula. I got a R and D team that I'm paying to create these things. Hundred, you know, millions of dollars in overhead. Literally millions, tens of millions of dollars in overhead, because we're doing it the right way. And then I got Joe Schmo who comes and decides I'm going to have a supplement. White label some garbage supplement, throws their label on it, puts a puts a VSL out there that's got insane claims, cure disease, lose weight overnight, all that stuff, and that's my competitor. So I know all these guys are always going to be right behind me, and then they're going to be willing to be more unethical and take you know be way more aggressive than I'm willing to be. So I have to keep innovating, otherwise I'm going to get swallowed up by people who are copying me and just willing to be more aggressive than I'll ever be. Where do you where do you see supplements going in the next few years? That whole industry. Um, you know, I think in the direct response space, you're going to have people who uh, capitalize on opportunity uh, to make money, like they do with eBooks, but they're not building anything with real equity value. Mm -hmm. um, th there's no supplement company that I know that would uh, in the in the in the space except for where we're pivoting to right now that would be s sellable. You know, that would be able to be acquired that an investor would even be interested in we thought we were pretty much middle of the road and we were looking at investments and we very quickly found out that even middle of the road on the internet which we were it's like hey it's the internet everyone's everyone's going 80 miles an hour it's the flow of traffic but the speed limit's 65 right well the investors are like you better be doing 64 you know, and I don't, I, I don't care what everyone else is doing. You got guys flying by 100 miles an hour with the cancer claims and the and the lose belly fat overnight stuff with garbage formulas. But if if you're going 70 miles an hour, they don't want to touch you. If you if you're in weight management, they don't want to touch you. You know, so if anyone who actually wants to build something to sell, they're going to have to learn how to become a brand, and they're going to have to learn to pivot from direct response, aggressive claims, and actually. Have, have a better product that produces results and lifetime value, right? Rather mm -hmm. than, I think most people in direct response are focused on the first sale. Mm -hmm. uh, they, there's no longevity in reorders and all that. Most of them don't even have a place where you can reorder. It's literally just a, a VSL that sells a product and no way for somebody to go back and reorder it. You know, there's, they're never going to reorder. Or they have a website where it's like marked up to like $100 a bottle just so they can say on their VSL funnel that it's half off, mm -hmm. which no one ever rebuys from. Mm -hmm. Like, of our 650 million revenue, probably like two thirds of that is all rebuys, if not more than that, you know. So, we're, we're and we've evolved too. I mean, we've we've I was gonna say we, we've we've pivoted from where we were, which was a direct response, very profitable company, to hey, if we do less revenue and let's focus on equity value in our company. So we got 55 percent of our sales were weight management. We pretty now it's five percent. 
And is that is that related to customer demand or also related to the equity play? It's mostly the equity play. If we wanted to sell a weight loss pill uh, like Leptiburn, if we wanted, I mean, that would be a, our best seller forever. It was our best seller. Belly trim, Leptiburn, IC5 with the blood sugar angle, and uh, you know, um, you know, don't eat carbs without it. That was our, our top set. Metabo 379. Those are our four top SKUs. All weight management SKUs. They would continue they, today. They would be our best SKUs, but unfortunately, that's our customer though. They're coming in from health and fitness and weight loss affiliates. So um, we said, how can we get in more attractive categories for the same market? Um, so we're not like trying to go market to the gym rats, the twenty-five, thirty-five-year-old guys in the gym. Right. We're still the same market. It's forty-five plus, two-thirds female, one-third male. How do we still get that market but get out of these categories that investors don't want, right? Because I don't want to be selling supplements forever. You don't have If you don't have a company that has equity value, you're as good as your last sale, mm-hmm. right? Period. And sure, maybe you've got the skills to make a million dollars a year doing that or a couple million. But you want to be doing that when you're – most of these guys I know, they, for me, I like to spend it, you know. i got a nice home. I have multiple homes. I I take my family on – on pretty epic vacations. Like mm-hmm. I like to spend my money too. I'm, I don't have an, if I were to stop making money and say, I want to retire, my lifestyle would have to change yep. pretty significantly to make that happen. I don't ever want to be in a position where that's happening. I want to actually have equity value in my company. I want to be one of those guys who could say, yeah, I, I we built something special and we exited. That's a real company. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a lot different than these direct response plays that just prey on people through fear and claims and all that stuff. And, you know, um, not saying that that we were ever like the the cleanest, most conservative copy in the world, uh, but we always did things ethically. And then we found out that even at our level, quality formulas, real research and development, science-backed products, they uh, these investors they don't want you to say much about your product. They're like ideally, here's here's a compliant quote unquote compliant supplement company. Picture of a bottle on a website with a price and add a card button. Granted, you, you have to say something about your product to sell it, but you got to err really on the side of building a brand and being conservative with claims If in this industry. So where do I think it's going? I think you're going to have a lot more people come in, direct response, and get more and more and more aggressive. And uh, hopefully I'll be out of the game by then. <laughs> Don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, So one thing that you do extremely well as evidenced by the revenue numbers is you – your copy speaks to the avatar clearly on a deep level because Mm -hmm. they're clicking and they're buying and and everything yet you and your avatar couldn't be further apart in terms of maybe not age so much anymore, but gender for sure. Sure. Like, like, I mean, I'm 37, but probably the mean age for my customer is 60. It's 60 and it's female. Yeah. She's probably got grandkids. Right. Right. So, Yeah, because when we when we were like, hey, stock up for your uh, stock up for your family, they're like, well, nobody lived in my house but me and my husband, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, it's not, it's never was a good angle to get people to stock up. We people, but we've also discovered that and this is totally off topic, but um, selfish world out there, you know, they don't buy for themselves. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the whole angle, like, stock up so you have enough for your family members. It's, it's Every time we tested it, it, it never worked. It never worked. Never right. increased. No one ever bought one more bottle. Well, the, the question I wanted to ask is is that your your copy obviously speaks to the avatar really, really well, mm-hmm. yet you, you're really far away from that avatar in reality. Yeah. Is there any anything that you do to get 
more in touch with who it is that you're writing to or any practices or anything like that? Uh, in the in the beginning, no. Now, sure, because we, we can we can speak more to who we know the customer. In the beginning, we know who the customer was. Mm-hmm. We, you know, when Biotrust first launched, had a little thing in the top corner that says "Add Seen and Oxygen in Men's Fitness." No one, none of our customers care about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. We thought like that was our market, like the 35 year old. 35 to maybe the 45 year old mom who you know would read a magazine like that or the or the middle middle aged guy who's you know 35 we knew we weren't marketing to the 20 year olds but like we thought it was definitely more in the 35 to 45 range like guys your age right women your age yeah and um we very quickly learned that that was not our company. We actually did a demographic study uh, with some data company where they took our email list and they spit back all the data on who these people were, right? Because, you, you know, people think that, like, they don't have insight. Facebook has all the insight and all that stuff, right? You can you can learn demographic data about as long as you have data to give them, they can spit back a lot more data. Tied to an email address, a phone number for our customers or whatever. They'll tell you who your customer is. And we're pretty shocked to find out, like, holy crap, there's – when we saw, you know, broken down by age, there's hardly anyone in the 25 to 35, a little bit more in the 35 to 45, then it started getting up. Like, our, our, the biggest market was, like, 55 to 65, you know? Then we're like, okay, we're, we're, we're our um, marketing to people who, you know, are, have great grandkids, you yeah. know? Like, this, this is a different demo. So then we started targeting the messaging a little bit more, and then we saw conversions increase. We actually had one VSL where we took a total senior um, marketing angle in the intro, and we tested it, and it gave us like a 25% bump by like literally having pictures of senior people in there and all that stuff. So once you know and you have that insight, then obviously that allowed us to change the marketing to fine-tune it even more. If I knew like there's 100% women who are watching this VSL right now, I would speak a little bit differently in it, right? Yes. Yeah. So that's why some some people have those landing pages like, are you male or female? And then they click through, and there's a there's a gender specific VSL. But um, for me, it was you know we we just had to learn who that customer was, and then it allowed us to. So if anyone, if you're listening to this and you have an email list, there are diagnostic data companies that can just do demographic data on your whole list, and you really get a better understanding. I'd be interested for you to do it because yeah. because. You have a good idea who your customer is, but you may be surprised with some of the people that are like following you and checking out your stuff. I may have to do that. Yeah, yeah. I'll give I, you content. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll definitely check that out. <laughs> it's not too expensive. It's worth doing. I mean, it, the data that we got—I don't know what it was to do it. Like, say it was even twenty grand to do it, which it wasn't. But if it was twenty grand to to do to have the analysis done, um, we made way more than twenty grand by knowing you know who our customer is. Sure. Yeah, well, especially at the, the level of scale you guys are Right, at, yeah. for sure. If someone's got 5,000 people on their email list, get that number up to 100. Well, or it probably is not, doesn't cost the same to do the analysis on that either. So That's true. <laughs> so you, I mean, you're, you're obviously, you are the best email marketer that I know. And a lot of people, and, and I, I think I know most people who send emails out there. Uh, but you, a lot of people say email marketing is dead. Yeah. And that it's dying. It's funny. And, and you laugh about it because yeah. we're, we're in this gorgeous mansion here on the water. And, and as I joked outside, this is a house built by email marketing. Yeah, no, it is. And in 2019 and 2020, email marketing is still a huge, huge yeah. part of your business. Uh, it's more than half our revenue. Yeah. yeah. So, what, one, what do you say to the people who are like, it's dying? 
and two, what's the most important thing email marketers should know in 2020? Well, it's dying for people to know what they're doing. It's dying for people to play by the new rules. Same reason why guys who I came into this industry with who were at the top of ClickBank at the time are more or less irrelevant. You know, it's there's several guys who are in the top 10 who are like, I don't know what they do now. You know, it's they're definitely not running a seven-figure business anymore like they were. Um, and it's because it is that people don't adapt. People don't learn the new rules. How many times since you've gotten on Instagram has the algorithm changed or have some shift change that you had to get in front of, right? Or to say, like, how do I stay relevant on Instagram Constantly. now? Yeah. It's constant, right? Same thing with email, but people just, for some reason, just think it's always going to stay the same. So it all changes. Uh, for the same reason, like, there's more, there's more email inboxes than ever before with more users can't serve the same number of email messages to all these people like on instagram for example you got however many hundreds of millions of users billions probably who are on instagram and then they're following following more and more people right so instagram's like oh, am i going to have three thousand people actually show up in the news feed it's going to be a worthless product at the end of the day right mm -hmm. so they say let's learn who they're actually engaging with and we're only going to show them those people right and that's kind of how it works with email Inboxes are getting is, are getting just way overwhelmed with too many messages, so the G, Gmail, Yahoo's, AOLs out there are like, how do we protect our co consumers' inbox? Or these people are just going to leave, start a new email account, maybe with a different uh, with a different um, ISP. You know, if I was Yahoo or AOL, I'd be like, crap. Unless we clean up our our acts here and we get make this a better product where people are only seeing what they really want to see instead of being overwhelmed, because if you signed up for an AOL account, you probably signed up for that in the 90s or early 2000s, right? Mm -hmm. No one's going and creating a new AOL account these days. It's still a huge portion of the email. You know, it's 15% at least of email users have an AOL account. So you got 20 years of newsletters and products and all this stuff that you sent and signed up for, and you got everyone bombing you with marketing messages. It's like, but when my mom emails me or my best friend emails me, I don't, it's like on page three. Right, if all the email actually got through to the inbox, yeah. So, Gmail says, or Yahoo says, that I make this a better experience. Well, if they haven't opened this in a while, it's going to start going to spam, or, or now we're going to rate the senders, right? And and if if somebody's getting a five percent open rate, they're not a good sender. We're just going to start fil filtering all our crap to spam. Now it's now it's a point one percent open rate, right? Because no one checks the spam folder. Right. When's the last time you went into your spam folder and said, hey, let me see what I'm missing? Right. No, nobody does that, right? Market, the only person that checks the spam folders is marketers. Um, <laughs> customers don't. Just make sure their emails <laughs> right, are going there. Right, yeah. right. Uh, the customers don't. It's, it's hidden in Gmail. You can't. You, you like have to take five steps to find your, your spam folder in Gmail. So um, you have to – it's all about sender reputation these days. And how do you do that? The biggest mistake that people make is just they do not practice any kind of list hygiene where – we have 17 million subscribers on our email list. If I blast to all 17 million, I'd be blacklisted everywhere. I, 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 uh, all everyone would at least at minimum start sending me to spam. I'd have nightmares. You know, return path certification would get suspended. Everything would go all if I just. But hey, they're still subscribed. I should be able to send to them. Well, it's all based on engagement. Have these guys engaged recently? And then there's this other thing called spam traps, where if someone's an email address has been inactive for a year, someone hasn't logged in, then Yahoo will turn it into a spam trap. And anyone who emails that person 
that email address, especially a commercial sender, that emails that email address once it's a spam trap and say, this is a spammer. Who else in their right mind would be emailing someone who has not interacted with them in the last year, you know? So all these reasons are reasons why you start to get penalized if you don't know what you're doing, if you're not cleaning your list. We have 17 million subscribers, but we only actively mail about 4.5 million. They're really engaged people. That's why we have good open rates, over 20% open rate. But if I sent to all 17 million people who haven't engaged in, in, you know, in, in emails that I sent to them for three years, like that's when you start to get penalized, when you start going too big. Now, most people say, hey, do you think I have anxiety because i got 17 million people who still are subscribed and have not unsubscribed and I don't contact 12.5 million of them? If I thought that they were valuable, yeah, I would have anxiety, but I already know they're not. I could literally, if I could just have a separate uh, email account that's sent to those 12.5 million people and I didn't have to worry about damaging my reputation in any way, and I hit send on that, I'd probably get 10,000 opens on 12.5 million people. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know? If it all went to inbox, it's not worth me sending to them when I'm getting 500,000 opens to a much better list than I'm sending to. You know, it's a much more engaged list. Yeah. Yes, because they're going to ruin your reputation. They're going to cause all of your quality subscribers to start getting filtered to spam, and now they're not seeing your messages anymore. This is why people say email is dead because they don't understand best practices. They're getting a 3% open rate because almost everyone's going in the spam folder. Yeah. And again, the biggest the biggest obstacle today, or the biggest thing that somebody can do is my role is simple. If you mail every day, seven days a week, don't mail anyone who hasn't opened a message for, from you in the last sixty days. If at some point they go back in and they're, they're searching their archives and they open one, then they get reactivated, right? Because mm-hmm. it's an open and it's on that whatever that day is. And it's in the last sixty days. But anyone who's outside of that window, I can tell you this. They rarely ever open a message. What's the likelihood that someone doesn't open your last 60, but they open 61? Like, you, you, you're really, really... You're, you're wasting your time. Right. No, you're, you're dreaming to think that they're going to be worth anything to you, right? It's yeah. like, so you really, you're going to open 61? They ignored you 60 times, and so now you're going to get them on the 61st? It's like if I was following up with somebody about, uh, you know, with sales calls or something. They didn't pick up the phone 60 times. Do I think I'm going to get through on time 61? Right. Like, the, uh, the girl who hasn't texted you back. Right. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, another classic example, right? Yeah. yeah. Follow up, follow up, follow up, follow up. Do you think my 61st follow up is going to work? Like, it's probably more like after 20, you know, they're not worth a whole lot. But like with email, you can get away with pushing it out to 60 days, right? So they haven't opened your last 60 messages, cleanse them. Get rid of them. It's not, that's not saying completely delete them from your file, but don't send to them on any kind of regular basis. Every now and then we'll open it up and send to like 90-day actives or once a month we'll send to 180-day actives to try and get some people back in. But we never push it outside 180 days. For 180 days, we only, um, we only do that once a month. And, and that's the magic. That's how you keep your engagement high. Say I have 200,000 people on my list. If my 60-day openers only make up 100,000 of those, right, and I get a 30% open rate when I mail to them versus when I mail the full file and I'm only getting like an 8 or 9% open rate, that's 30% open rate. Gmail's like, you're good. We'll continue sending you to primary inbox. Not promotions, not but primary inbox. 20% open rate. Gmail's like, ah, you might be promotions. 10% open rate or less, Gmail's like, 
90% of people are not interacting with you. You need to clean up your game. We're going to start sending you to spam. Most people don't know that that's what's happening, and that's why they think email's dead. Because you're just you're getting deprioritized, and you're basically showing the Gmail Yahoo's and all these guys out there that I'm not a good sender. How how important is fresh blood on the email list to have like because if we're only mailing to 30 or 60 day openers, yeah. then we need a lot of steady stream coming in the front. Yeah, door. well, of course it's important. Um, if it's not growing, then that list is going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. Uh, like with yeah. your with your media buying that you guys, yeah, do, yeah. are you? Do you want opt-ins or do you want customers? We're a legion-based company. So you just take you know, uh, with BioTrust, it's changed. But my other email marketing companies that promote affiliate products primarily on the back end, I have a um, an email marketing side business that does a million bucks a month, uh, over a million bucks a month, and, and close to a million dollars a month profit. With all, all it is is I don't have any front-end products. I have, I have a couple of them, but they do, don't do very much volume. They're pretty fatigued. I just get leads and then promote other people's stuff, negotiate deals because I got the biggest list so I can get the most aggressive payouts. You know, mm-hmm. So um, yeah, getting people in, that's the name of the game. Same thing with customers. You know, If I had a, a straight sale offer and I'm stopped contacting customers when they're no longer responsive after 60 days, I have more customers coming in than I have going rolling off that 60 days otherwise my my business is going to be uh shrinking instead of growing so when when someone joins your list as an opt-in right now mm-hmm. are you how soon do they start getting offers is it right away in the first message in the very first message yeah, so yeah. What, what do you think we about- deliver what it is so we give away a lead magnet right a free report it's a value add to them we give that away but it's not even the first thing they see in the email it says thank you for signing up for xyz free report and then it'll say your report is in step two below, but first check out XYZ and it's like goes to a video sales letter or something like that. Yep. We get a good chunk of our ad spend back in that one that first autoresponder that delivers the free report. There's a lot of people buy right then and there. So what do you say to the marketers who are like you need to build a relationship first before you start pitching the email list? They're gonna be they're gonna you're gonna find very quickly that these it depends on what you're selling. If you're trying to establish a brand, right, and you're playing like the really really long game, then I can uh, sure. If you're a marketer though, and you're gonna be sending the email to these people every day, and there's gonna be any kind of regularity of offers, trust me, you're gonna lose them before you, you get your ad spend back if you do that. It's it's re- the name of the game is really you have a window to convert somebody to a customer. Someone hasn't bought something from you, and it's, and it's after two weeks. The likelihood that they convert to a customer after the first two weeks to a buyer is almost zero. So is that kind of your window? Fourteen days. Yeah, in the first fourteen days, we have all all of our strongest offers. It's a mix of content. We're not just bombing them with offers either, but it's a mix of content. But we're we're making sure that they're seeing all the best stuff in the first fourteen days, because if we don't get them to buy something. In the first 14 days, the likelihood of them converting to a customer later is, is I mean, we I can show you the data. Like yeah. after 14 days, it's like almost nobody. 90% of the people who become customers will become a customer in the first 14 days. And then you got the 10% who, after six months of consuming your content, decide to, you know. But mostly everybody, you just get the right offer in front of them, they'll convert. And we do it in a strategic way too. I'll just give you, like for the marketers who are listening. We start off by sending them back to a video sales letter. They don't convert on the video sales letter. We're like, ah, oh, they must not be a video watcher. So we'll send them a written sales letter. 
they don't convert on the written sales letter, we say it must be a price issue. Otherwise, they would have bought by now. You know, they they're already in, they're interested in weight loss because they've signed up for a weight loss free report. The video didn't convert them. Maybe they just don't watch like watching videos. The written thing didn't convert them. It must be a price issue. We hit them with a free plus shipping. So we're just saying we try to get them with the best converting thing that's going to get extract you know the most uh, highest average order value. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't work, then we just stair-step them down. It's like the reverse ascension. Like, try to get in with the best. Doesn't work. Try to give it to them in a different format. Doesn't work. Let me convert you to a customer and get your feet wet with me in this, in this magic 14-day window. Free plus shipping offer. Second chance free plus shipping offer. Last chance free plus shipping offer. Like, in the first 14 days, that's the sequence. Two emails to a VSL. Two emails to a written sales page. And then three uh three emails with the last chance to a free plus shipping offer and some content in between. Gotcha. And that's over 14 days. Yeah. Gotcha. And if someone buys during those 14 days, do they get put into a different bucket of emails or do they just keep getting the broadcast? Yeah, they'll go on our main broadcast emails, but gotcha. that's the autoresponder series. And then they, if they buy something, they go on a 60 day opener. Right. Bucket. And what yeah. if they don't buy in those 14 days? Then they'll go after the 14 days, they go into the regular thing. It's thing. the same thing. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. But that's our chance. That's our best converting. It's our best flow to convert somebody to a customer. You also are, you're, you're a little aggressive in email sometimes. Sure. Right. <laughs> I mean, you, you do it well. I mean, that as a compliment, by the way. Yeah. But you will send, I mean, I, I don't know. Do you know the most amount of emails you ever sent in a day to a list? We don't anymore. The we 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 I did that for a very strategic reason. We had a budget to hit, and that was my only way of hitting it. Well, um, I just but, I, um, I know I've seen Biotrust. Two, it's, yeah, two. Yeah, Biotrust sends one one a day now. Gotcha. That's it. Um, uh, my other email companies that are just more email marketing, affiliate marketing stuff send two. You sent two. So AM, AM and PM. Yeah. When you were when you were scaling Biotrust at the start, and mm-hmm. you would send two or three or four emails a day sometimes. What was your, your mindset with the email stuff then? Well, I was give people a variety. If I don't get you with one in the morning, maybe I get you with one in the afternoon. Um, Did you see an impact on engagement or open rates and things like that? Um, not enough. Honestly, quite frankly, not enough for it not to be worth doing it. Uh, I had a little bit lower of an open rate. I had a little bit higher of an unsubscribe rate, but the revenue was way better. Yeah. So I just do it nowadays because, you know, I think if I put myself on the – subscriber side uh ltv was difficult because we weren't able to track ltv of just those subscribers i think for the long game especially when people are customers of yours you know two emails a day is kind of upper limit that i would do at this point but again i like i had a 20 million dollar budget to hit love profit budget to hit that year for very specific reason we're looking for an investment and i had to do i had to do it like literally i was i was getting a report every two hours for revenue for the day. And I know where I, I knew exactly where I needed to be at 11 a.m. I knew exactly where I needed to be at 1 p.m. If I was behind, I had to find a way to make it up. It was How the most stressful year of my life. Was that for 12 months that yes. went on? Yes. Yeah. I was, I'm on vacation getting uh, stuff on my phone to say, you know, if I'm, if I'm ahead, then I'm like, good. Like, I can actually enjoy the afternoon. If I'm not, then I'm, I'm bust the laptop. I literally carried my laptop around everywhere I went. Yeah. Yeah. What year was this? 2016. Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a tough year, man. <laughs> yeah, it was. Worst year of my life, honestly, <laughs> for so many reasons. And that was a big reason why. Um, but it leaked out into, you know, it leaked out into every other area of my life, too. So. Yeah. And 
but with the, the email copy that like a lot of that email copy, at least in 2016 from what I recall, was this, it's the same copy, different subject line or different lead and say, right. press the body. Mm-hmm. The winners perform better. I mean, like, oh, I, don't want to, I already sent that email. Let me f- email number two. Trust me, sending the best performer again with a slight tweak in the subject line or from name or whatever is more than likely going to do better than sending your next best email. You know, it's like the winners are winners by far, usually, you know, so you, you have to find what the magic is and you recycle them. And, and that's still what we do to this day. We've, I have pretty much one email that I send for every offer. I don't have two or three. I have one email and how frequently I rotate it in is just based on performance. But I keep it pretty simple. So, um, so if it's if it's doing well, how often will you send it? And if it starts to go down, how much time will you wait? My, so my. I will send an offer several times a week if it's if it's still way above same, my average. Same copy, different from or something. Uh, or maybe I'll leave with content or something one time. Uh, for the most part, you know, though, I, I have no problem sending an offer three times in a week. If it's right. a new offer and, and it's, you know, I'll, I'll space it out, send it on uh, Sunday, Tuesday, and, and uh, Friday or Saturday, whatever. Um, I'm a numbers guy. I know what I need to make when I hit send. So if it's 15 grand on one of my lists, and the email makes me 28, like, I want to run that thing to death all month, you know? Because the reality is this. People are busy. What percentage of emails do you open, even from the, the, the companies that you like the most, right? It's not every email. It's, it's not even half of the emails. So I know that. And, and then when you do open them, did they catch you at a time where you're even in a, in a space where you can give it the time to watch a video or or – go through a transaction yeah even smaller percentage of the time so i may need to get something that i know is converts really really well in front of people four or five times before i even catch them at the right moment for them to and then they've also anchored that they've seen it four or five times so it must be important yeah. the one that doesn't do that well they only see once so they probably figure it wasn't that important <laughs> and and when it if you see performance starts to dip, you just set it aside for a couple of weeks and then try to back out and see if it kicks up. Yeah. So there's, um, if performance goes below, let's say again, I'm just throwing out a number 15 grand. That's what I want to make when I hit send. If I make making 28, 22, whatever. And then it starts to go below 15. I'll let it rest for a month. You know, I'll just, because we've got new people coming in all the time yep. and then I'll get other stuff out for more variety and then I'll try it again. And if I send it and it's 18, then maybe I'll run it every two weeks until it dips below 15 again. And then once it does, then I'll let it rest for another month and then I'll try it again. If it's hits 15, then good. If I know the second time it's not going to do that, so I'll just let it rest and then come back to it every 30 days. And if the, the second time I run something like, okay, I ran it, didn't hit or just hit what I needed. And now 30 days later, it doesn't hit. Then like the offer is, um, I may try it again in, in uh, you know, next quarter or something, but you know, I'm not coming back to it with any type of regularity. Gotcha. So you said 2016 was the most stressful year yeah. of your life. Mm-hmm. What what was the biggest lesson that you were able to take out of that for yourself? Don't that, that put year. myself in that position again. You know, um, I I needed help. I agreed to something that was unrealistic, and um, I understand why, because we were going to market to get an investment, and we everyone wanted to get paid the most, right? So if you're getting paid, 
based on your last 12 months of profit, a multiple on that, we want to have as profitable a year as possible, yeah. right? And we had a number in our head for what we wanted the company to be valued at, and here's the numbers that we had to hit. Well, I did everything I could, and then we learned the hard way that we were too aggressive that year to hit that number, and that's what turned investors off. You know, like really, yeah, that was a big part. Like everyone's like, all right, five email, sign up for email list. We got five email today. You know, it's like these conservative bankers, you know? and then plus, you know, uh, like I said, they don't want you to say a whole lot about your products. So from that. We learned a lot. Biotrust only emails once a day. No one's ever going to have any problem with that. You know, we're we're a direct response company, but one email a day for an e-commerce company that's just totally normal. Um, Amazon emails you more than that. You sure. know, like uh, that's fine. Four or five emails a day, though, that's it's going to come off strange to people. And sure, I mean, we had a we had a deal that was on the table that they knew all that about the company, and it went all the way down to. You know, just before we were supposed to close, and the a lawyer who on the other side was uh, my feeling was he was way too conservative, and just took one of our VSL scripts and redlined almost the whole thing. And that's what killed the deal. They were like, "We get it. He's probably being over the top, but I can't go back to my board and show them a legal document from a lawyer that redlines eighty percent of the marketing, and then God forbid." we invest and something happens later, then like, that's my head, you know? So we understood why, but um, it was a weight management VSL too. So we have, we have uh, no VSLs anymore. We have all long form sales letters that are rather conservative, very difficult to have a 45 minute sales script and not say something about your product, sure. you know? Um, but we're, we're way, way more conservative than we used to be. Um, Sales aren't where they were before, but or companies way more valuable. So I was going to say, have you found a, a, like obviously did conversions drop when you make the switch? Have you found ways to negate that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, um, like I said, it's 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 not the company that it was when we were doing 140 million a year, and you know, we're we're just we're just under 100 right now. Um, but we have a way better mix of products. We're way more conservative. And when we go back to market, I think the company's worth double what it was because we're already, we're already being discounted for all this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And when I'm, when my goal is to exit the company, if I wanted this to be a cash cow profit center like Golden Hippo, then I'd do everything Golden Hippo's doing. Mm -hmm. I'd I, I make 40 million a year in profit, you know, and, and have a company that's done a billion dollars in sales. Um, rinse and repeat. But we had to pivot from that because we were on the upswing. We, we did 80 million, 100, 115, whatever, and we did up to 140. And the next year, we probably could have, if we continued a couple more VSLs, we probably would have done 160. Yeah. But we had to take a step back to take a step forward. And yeah. that's what's lost on most people that you have to be well, you have to determine what your goal is. And if you truly want to exit a company, you're going to have to play by different rules. Yeah. So that's what we're playing by. And, I think the company with the revenue that we're doing right now is is we're going to have probably we're going to eight times multiple on uh, profits before. I think when we go back to market, we'll be we'll be closer to twelve, at least twelve, at least fifty percent more valuable on the profit because of all these changes that we made. And to be frank, the company was worth nothing then because no one wanted to buy it, <laughs> right? It's, oh, we're, we're, here's a company valuation of the company. Well. We put it on the market, open market, and no one wanted to pay that. So the company was worth 
zero, no deal done, you know? And I'm going to say, oh, it's eight times multiple. It's really a zero times multiple, right? Like, there's no one to pay. So um, now if we get it legitimately, we get a 12 times multiple, like, that's the difference, right? So it's, it's a, even at 10 million profit, you're looking at 120 million. Mm-hmm. That's, that's significant uh, financial day for me when that happens. And uh, it's at a, at a favorable tax rate as well. You, know, you exit a company, you're paying a different tax rate than you are on this income tax that's coming through on your regular income. Yeah. So, yeah. And and with a lot of the marketing that's going on now, yeah. are other people creating it besides you? So it's not so to Yes. So uh, that's the other thing. It's such a blessing that that deal didn't go through. I really think uh, my partner and I probably wouldn't be friends right now. Um, I th- I don't think he's married right now. Uh, he's He was dating a girl for 15 years, finally got married this last year. A lot of life change has happened in, for both of us. My family's a much tighter, a much tighter unit than it was. Honestly, things were falling apart in 2016. My priorities were way out of whack, um, and I had to learn a bunch of stuff the hard way. And so did he. We, we we really the deal fell through, and then he went this way, and I went this way. We didn't talk for almost a year except on a conference call. I talked to this guy literally every day for six, six years, and then we didn't talk for like a year. Um, there's just a lot of tension there, but, um, you know, I don't, I don't think that we would be where we are today. Oh, I know we wouldn't be, um, if that deal went through. So I'm grateful that it didn't. Uh, and the other thing that would have happened if that deal went through, they had us on an employment contract. We would have to stick around with the company for three more years as an employee. I probably, I don't, I don't think I would have been here because I probably shot myself, you know, like as working for somebody else for three years. And them dictating what it is that I'm supposed to do, and us butting heads and all that. Now we're we're in a good place where the revenue is sustainable by other people other than us. Yeah. You know, I'm still in the business, but I'm not doing all the marketing like I was. We have copywriters. I get on calls. To, I review. I review stuff. I edit a little bit, but um, I I haven't written a sales script in a year and a half. Yeah, which is so much more attractive to an yeah. investor. Right. Yeah. And and then it allows me to exit. Truly exit. Like, I might be on the hook for two hours of consulting a week for a year. It's fine. I get on two calls a week, you know. Sure. But it's a lot different than me being locked up for three years as an employee. Yeah. Which would mean I would still be an employee of that company right now. Instead, I'm getting ready to next year hopefully exit, and then I'm out, you know. And uh, I would put more money in my pocket than I would back then. Yep. So same amount of time I'm working for Biotrust. I'm just in a different role. And much much more feels like a much better role. Yes, for yeah. sure. Much better than employee. Yeah. <laughs> so all right, so as we wrap up here, man, you also recently started uh, a group called the Hundred Million Mastermind. Yeah. Greatest mastermind ever created. <laughs> truly. I and, say that with conviction. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's a big undertaking. Yeah. Right. Bigger than you even imagined when you first got started. Oh, you never you think people are like you and then you learn they're not. You know? <laughs> I would have signed up in a second and then you realize that you know, not a, there's a reason why I'm at today. I just do the stuff that makes sense, right? And, and I don't, you don't have to convince me. I see that, like, yeah, this makes sense. This is, a, and I signed up as a co-founder, you know, knowing that it's going to be way more responsibility. But if somebody put the opportunity in front of me and said, "Here's what it is," you want to join? I would have been the first person to drop 100 grand on that. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm going to trade 100 grand for an easy seven to eight figures on my business. That's obvious to me. Like, I don't, I don't need to. I'm not holding on to my – and I, that's another reason why we spend money on media. This is another reason why people don't scale their companies. We go negative. 
I know my metrics on the back end. I spend 100 bucks to acquire a customer that spends $50 on their first order, and then I make it back over the next six months. It's an investment. Everything I do is an investment, so I'm used to investing. Instead of people who want to play conservative and say, hey, let me break even, let me let me make sure I'm not putting myself in a bad spot. They had all this worry and anxiety about losing. I don't want to worry about losing. Like, I, mean, you're, I can either play to win or play not to lose. Right. If I'm going to play not to lose, then I'm always going to stay relatively small. Scale happens when you start taking the risks that matter. Could somebody put a hundred grand in and then and that's and we don't show up and and it's a waste of time? Sure, I mean it, it could happen, but the people who we got in are people who know me. You know, like that's never going to happen. This is obviously I'm going to make this way better than you're ever thinking it ever could be. You know, and that's my commitment to the group. So when I said yes to being a co-founder of it, uh, I love the idea, I love the premise, but I didn't really understand what I was getting into as far as overcoming everyone else's way of operating between their two ears, yeah. you know, uh, on how they viewed $100,000. Because it is an investment, but when you know it's going to turn out a million plus, that's not an investment to me. It's just a trade. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> so in, in selling something, because you've, you've sold a lot of stuff that costs less than $1,000. Sure. $650 million worth of it. Right. <laughs> this is the first time selling something yeah, yeah. that's high ticket that costs hundred grand. What What is the biggest lesson that you've learned in, in offering something that does cost six figures? You have to show somebody the value. It's always about the value proposition, right? Uh, anytime someone's going to part with their money, you have to show them why it's worth it for them to do that, right? And you have to make it easy. We have now, we have this four payments of 25 grand. It's easy. It's like the pitch now is just think, don't worry about the 100 grand, okay? It's cost you 25 grand to get in. That's what it costs you. Come the first meeting, let us make you way more than 25 grand right there. You get your money back from that, and then you pay the three other payments out of all the extra profit we're creating in your business. The group is free. All you got to do is show up and put down 25 grand that you get back to you, you know. That's the investment. So you have to show somebody the value why it makes sense. De-risk it. All the same things that you do for the $210 average order value for a supplement. But it's you would think it would be even easier when talking to business owners and you can show them that for a supplement, it's like you're trading 60 bucks for a bottle that hopefully – it's going to make you feel better, but there's there's no monetary return there, right? I'm not trading trading sixty dollars for. It's going to make me three hundred dollars. I'm going to have more money at the end than I gave you, right? Right. That's and you're in business coaching. You know you understand this. You, you would think it would be easier, and you would think when you go to business owners who've got themselves to a seven or an eight figure level that they would get this real quick, and that's what I thought because that's how I always operate. But you quickly find out that, like, uh, and it's probably because the mastermind space has has um, jaded some people, where they didn't they signed up for groups they didn't get value out of. Yeah. You know, so psychologically, you have to overcome all the damage that somebody else did. It's like you meet a girl, and her her uh, her ex was just a total jerk and and abused her and all this stuff, and she thinks that you're that's how you're gonna be. Right. You know, and then you have to show her that no, I'm a different kind of guy. You know. Same thing here. I'm like, oh, you signed up for so-and-so's mastermind. It was a waste of time. Uh, I get it. Sorry. Here's why, how we're different. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you have to show them. Then they have to believe you at face value that that's how that you're going to deliver on what you said. Anyone who knows me personally, they're the quickest ones to sign up. Because they know I'm always going to under-promise and way over-deliver. 
for the people who like I got connected to through a referral or something, like I had to get on the phone with everybody and they needed to hear it in my voice and to get comfortable. To yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's all objections. Show the value. Show them how it's it makes sense, right? It's this is an investment, and and the truest investments have a return on investment, right? And that's exactly what this is. We are going to take your hundred thousand dollar investment, put you around a group of the best of the best in business. So that you can streamline any problem you have, anything that you need help with in your business. We already recruited the best of the best to be here. This is the ultimate room. We don't even have to talk to anybody outside of this room. We don't need anybody else. 24 instructors we got and 100 members that we got, you're going to be in person with all the right people. You need something, let me walk you right up to so-and-so and, and you're going to get it. He's the best in the world at it, right? Mm -hmm. You need this, let me walk you right up to them. Let me do a text message. It's between events. That's great. Let me text message you to another member of the group. Because guess what? They're going to hit me up for a text intro to somebody else, and they know that I need to show up for others if I want people to show up for me, right? Mm -hmm. So we're getting all the right people involved. It's a serve-first community. Everyone's not coming with their hand out saying, what can I get, but rather a hand extended saying, hey, how can I help? How can I provide value? Right. You bring those – and we're protecting the family culture of it too, and I've had to address this because a lot of groups – I think pretty much almost any group that I know, um, and you probably screen people too, but for the most part, if you can pay, you're in, you know? Mm -hmm. And then what do you have? You have some great members, and then you have some really cancerous members, right, who are going to come in, just destroy the culture. They're going to be pitching people on their product and services. It's going to be a nightmare for you to deal with. So I've had people that contacted me, oh, so-and-so referred me, heard about your mastermind. I'd love to sign up. All right, let's get on a phone call. I have, I'm doing this for two reasons. Even though you're ready to send a wire, I'm getting on the phone because I want to get to know who you are and if you're going to fit into the vibe that I'm creating. Mm -hmm. For the other people I get on the phone with, sometimes they have questions and I want to make them feel at ease and answer their questions and let them know that they're making a great investment. But in this situation, someone's ready to send a wire. I'm not just accepting $100. Last thing I need is 90 amazing members and then 10 people that destroy the group. Mm -hmm. You know? It's like... Now I just got to deal with a problem because all of this this guy came in and he's with a with a pitch deck for an investment, you know, and that's all he's there for. Yep. There's a reason why certain people are not in the group, you know. There's a reason why I never even went out to people who I know would sign up, and, but then a few of those felt filtered through and wanted to sign up, and I just was like, look, appreciate it. It's not going to be a great fit, you know. And we're we're building something a certain way, and I just don't feel like it's going to be the best fit for everyone involved. Yeah. You know, and leave it at that. They got pissed that I didn't let them in, but like, <laughs> I'd rather have one guy who I don't want in the group anyway pissed off at me than to bring somebody like that into the group. Sure. And so, it's all these things that I think other people who have who have um, ran mastermind groups maybe didn't think about, or and there's a lot of people who had have had bad experiences. So yeah. you're overcoming that. And then you're overcoming the fact that the egos that are out there with a hundred thousand people can afford a hundred thousand. They think they don't need help. Oh, there's all my friends. I'm going to invest to hang around my friends. You know, it's like, yeah, I, I, I know a lot of these guys too. But guess what? There's a lot of people I don't know here to think that I can't. Even with the people I know, Craig Ballantyne was our first member, very first person to sign up. He was my business, my first business coach 11 years ago now. First person to sign up. The guy, I have a bedroom upstairs that I showed you, right? Yeah. That my kids call Craig's bedroom. That is how much access he has to me. Right, he comes and when he's not doing traveling everywhere else in the world, he'll come and he'll spend a week here. That's the first guy to sign up. Why? Because he's going to get so much more out of me in a, in that environment than even 
just he and I at the house. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's a paid business environment. Everyone is there to do nothing but work on each other's businesses. It's not a social outing. It's a it's a three day event where you show up. Everyone wants to help you grow. You got a problem? This is why we're here to solve it. It's not like oh I know so and so or I know these guys. You know, text message them all one by one, and hopefully you get an answer to your problem. Not ever going to be in an environment where they're all there in the same space, and you can weigh in. And I was sharing with you before we had this breakfast after our first preview evening last week, where we had um, these pop-up events where we're creating awareness about the group. The first one, I didn't love how it went. I could have solved that problem myself to a degree. But we had five guys at breakfast, and I always put it out there. And I'm like, look, we need to overhaul this, I feel. You know, what went wrong, and how do we fix it? It wasn't any one person's feedback that made the difference. It was the collectiveness of the five guys who were at that breakfast that came together. One person contributed a great idea. Another person contributed another great idea. One person said, eh, I don't think so. And then we changed it again, you know. And, and then uh, one person switched it up a little bit here and it was someone had a better idea you know it's the collaborative nature and that's the power of the mastermind and mm -hmm. that's what you give yourself access to so i've been on so many phone calls to get people to see the value i think we got all the right people in um people who are stoked to be there we got 12 nine-figure business owners we have 40 some eight-figure business owners for me to have aubrey marcus is one of our uh, founder of on it is one of our members paid member of the group I'm like to track somebody like that you know you, you know you're doing something right you know that you're really putting something of value prince ea on instagram's got three billion views yeah he's, he's got viral video figured out but there's some stuff he doesn't have figured out right mm -hmm. so he's going to come he's going to tap into that who are you who are you most excited to learn from even though you are one of the founding members of the group yeah uh, i mean i think honestly um we have Marcus Limonis coming in from a, from a business strategy and a process standpoint. I'm just excited to be able to sit down with him and spend some time with him. Um, uh, and then we've got some fun characters like Jordan Belfort, you know, who are going to be there. He's, I've known Jordan for like eight years now, um, and, and I've been in private rooms with him before. And so, uh, But still, this, I want to learn something new from Jordan this year for sure. And then I got guys who I didn't even know who they were, like Chase and Zach, who we were talking about before. Yeah. Um, you know, these – these are guys who literally I got on the phone with them. They pulled the curtain back on a business model that they have that I was unaware of completely. I saw exactly what they were doing, and I'm like, holy crap. I can – this is brilliant, and I can apply this to my business very easily. And we are already started doing that. It's going to be another eight figures. So I just know there's going to be so many other connections, not just with the um, instructors but with all the members of the group because – everyone's really valuable it's not like you know i was telling you it's it's not like we have the the guy who runs the mastermind and a bunch of students you know yeah it's a peer group that's yeah. uh, there's there's 24 people who are kind of playing a little bit of a, a level up they're all nine figure guys but we got nine figure guys you know as as members mm -hmm. it's a peer group to get yourself a seat at the table with the most elite of the elite i got a seat at the table i'm thrilled to have that i'm not the biggest dog in the fight here i'm not the biggest fish in the pond here like i've been that in our in our circle of fitness guys i've hosted events where and i could still learn from people who you know haven't achieved monetarily the, the revenue that we bring in every year sure. i could still learn from plenty of people like that. i learned stuff from you right um and 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 all the other guys in our industry when we get them together but now i can learn things from people who i've got a guy who did two billion dollar exits who's 
Yeah, co-founder of Tinder is one of our guys. You know, it's like they're nine figures a month, you know, like rebels. So I'm excited to get around guys like that who are just doing things that are way, you know, multiple levels up from where I'm at so I can stretch. And you got to put yourself in those in those environments to allow yourself to do that. I'm sure I can network with pretty much anyone I want over time, but $100,000 play money for me, honestly. Like, that's... Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. If I was on the side to be a member, uh, and I've told certain guys this, like this, this, we went to a guy's house. It's a twenty million dollar mansion in Laguna Beach. I just had a phone call with him this morning and uh, about the group, and he said, um, he said, yeah, tell me, tell me a little bit about it, because we one of one of the uh, events was, was actually hosted at his house. He, he just, he just let you rent it. Right, 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 yeah. exactly. Um, and I had a call with him. He wanted to follow up about some some email stuff, so I could integrate that into his business and. Uh, I said, look, man, I know the house you live in. Like, this is play money for you to be, to be involved here. But get yourself around guys like me. I'm already helping you just on this phone call with the email. I think it's worth it just to hang out with me for the year, <laughs> for the email side of stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Yet alone all these other rock stars that you don't even know about or what you're going to learn from them. So I'm pretty sure that he and his partner are signing up. And that's give yourself the opportunity to find out about things that, you don't know. People don't know the value until they get there. I can tell you this. We had three dinners where um, people were so blown away by what we did in four hours. It created so much buzz. I had 40 phone calls this week. Once once this first event happens and people see how we show up and everything that comes out of it, like the buzz that's going to be created in the industry is going to be unreal. Unfortunately, at that point, like we're, we have no more spots. So. Right. So for the person listening right now who maybe might be a fit – yeah, and obviously they got to talk to you first, right? How yeah, sh- how should we have do spots that? right now. Some people are dilly dallying with, with sending wires, you know. Uh, how how should they contact you? Um, uh, uh, email me. I mean, that's probably or d- direct message me on Instagram. That's the best way. Direct message me on Instagram. I'm at Joel Marion. Um, I do check my DMs and I'll keep my eyes peeled. We and, get a lot of them that and come send, in. Yeah, you've how many how many followers on Instagram do you have? Uh, 1.5 million. So when you when you um, direct message me, just put two rocket emojis uh, at the start, yep. so I identify uh, one. I'll see it more easily, and then I identify it as someone who may be interested in the group. Right now, we still have a handful of spots left, um, and we're excited to give them to the right people. So if you're somebody who's interested in what we're doing, 24 nine-figure instructors literally never going to be done again. We're paying all these guys six figures. We have no margins in all this. You yeah. know, it's just, this is a labor of love for the entrepreneur community that, unfortunately, no one else besides myself and Dan Fleischman, I think, would, would even think about doing. Mm-hmm. Um, two of the most generous guys out there, and we're creating something that, for the mastermind owner, it's a high-ticket way to throw a low-cost event and then put the value in there in the coaching aspect, and it's very profitable. For us, I have nothing to gain from this except the value out of the group, which I'm putting my time, my money where my mouth is, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm creating something where the only value I'm going to get out of it is the same thing you're going to get when you become a member, except I got way more invested than you do. You're going to come in for four payments of 25 grand. You might check it out for 25 grand and decide it's not for you and drop. That's not going to happen. But like in the back of your mind, you think you got that out, right? And we're going to way way over deliver to where you're never going to leave, but such a low barrier of entry to, to experience this. I've been on 200 freaking hours of phone calls to get to this point. And then we got to still put the events on and all that and make sure we show up and deliver value. So yeah. 
I'm, I got tens of millions of dollars of my time in this. If it's worth tens of millions of dollars to me from my investment standpoint, hopefully you, you would agree it's worth a hundred grand on your side. You know, it's, it's, it'll never be done again. It, it is a special, special group and we're excited, you know, number one ad network in the world, number one largest ad network in the world, one of our instructors, co-founder Tinder, Tinder, one of our instructors. You got Marcus Limonis, you had Jordan Belfort, you got uh, Zach and Chase done $650 million in e-commerce sales. You got the, the, the guys who know webinars and video sales letters uh, better than anybody else, Adrian Anthony Morrison. You got a guy who spends over $200 million a year in Facebook ads. You got four or five traffic guys in there that'll just, there's no way that you come in, you're buying traffic anyway, and they don't know how to do it better. Mm-hmm. They, like, they're the best at what they do. So if you have a business that's operating at a seven-figure-plus level, and you want to tap into expertise that you don't have access to, this is the fastest way to do it. And this is the fastest way to, I'm telling you, we're going to have guys come in at two, three million, and they're going to be eight figures by the end of the year. And that's what I'm most excited about because I get to see people soar. And then our whole circle, right? We're, we're, we're creating a circle, and then our whole circle levels up. And then the next year, we all level up. And then, like, people are exiting companies and all this. It's just you have an opportunity to be part of something special where, Fast forward five years from now, the people in this group compared to people who chose not to be in it, here's where they're going to be. And I don't say this like in a mean way at all, but like you chose to miss the boat. It's a, the boat is literally about to leave the harbor, right? And that's it. And then here we go. And, and we're, we're way up here because of this is all we had access to. And you're just still thinking your one-on-one connecting with people is going to get you there. Mm-hmm. This is the fastest way to the top, you know? And so... I'm excited for the people who decide to make the investment, and we're going to freaking blow them away. So, yeah, so if you're listening, you must DM Joel. I know I have a lot of marketers who follow me who are in that 2 to $3 million range. And, and this is the there, old – I can tell you we have – you know, I said there's nine-figure business owners. There's eight-figure business owners, but there's probably 20 that are playing. And I got a guy who came in and did $1.1 1. $1 revenue. I'm like, you, I'm like, are you ready to freaking level up or what? Because like, if you're ready, we'll make sure you get it. I have guys who I've just helped personally who I got a little bit, helped them optimize their funnel. And one one of the guys, Mike Zhang, do you know Mike Zhang at all? Mike Zhang came in as a member in May. He said, it's the scariest thing that I've ever done, but I know I have to do it to give myself an opportunity to level up. I've already directly sent him seven figures in sales, personally, just me. I helped him optimize his funnel. We got it to work. I taught him how to go negative up front. And how he can pay me a CPA that's worth my while to promote this, and now he's already he's already done like four million because he's scaling other cold media channels and all that profitably on the cold media stuff. But without without that simple little couple tweaks that I did and then teaching him what I taught him, like he'd still be sitting there making six figures. He's got a four million dollar business in the last four months. You know, like I don't know what the guy's going to do. Probably hit eight figures this year. Yeah, yeah. So again, message Joel. Put uh, don't put three rockets in the DM. Put two. Don't, don't think you put three. You're gonna get a special treatment. All right, two is gonna be just fine. Um, yeah, don't put a whole row of rockets. Yeah, <laughs> and change your account name to Rocket 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 Rocket. Yeah, it's not gonna help. Um, all right, cool. So, dude, last question as we wrap up here. Then, yeah, uh, you have been very successful online from a very young age. I mean, we didn't even get into your story, but gym teacher to millionaire yeah. in a very short amount of time. If someone out there is listening and maybe not a gym teacher, but they do have a normal job, but they see all this online stuff and they're interested in it and they want a different life, a better life. Mm-hmm. What's the most important thing that they can take into that 
attack? Because I don't think it's something tactical. To me, it's probably some mentality or something like that. Well, you have to what believe you in yourself. I was, uh, I was sitting there teaching phys ed and health to high school kids, and I knew this wasn't going to be my career. You know, like I'm just this a, a temporary solution that I could pay my modest bills while I get this other stuff off the ground so and give, give myself an opportunity. So when you were even back then, your job, you didn't look at it as your employment or job. It was in your mind, this is just a temporary solution. I'm not. That was how I pay my bills at the time. Yep. You know, literally, that's it. Uh, it, it. I had a degree there. It was de- decent pay, you know, 40 some thousand dollars a year out of college. Um, but I never in my life that I ever think, oh, I'm going to have 30 years in this career and, and I'm going to cap out at $82,000 a year, but you know, when I'm, when I'm 60 years old and I decide to retire, um, I always had a bigger, first it was why I wanted to be an author and then like a traditional author that didn't work out for various reasons. And then I said, okay, well, that's, let's pivot plan B, you know, if that didn't work. What's next? Uh, let me figure out. I still want to be an author, but now I'm going to be self-published author. Author, I'm going to learn how to sell this stuff myself. I'm going to take what a traditional publisher couldn't do for me, and now I'm going to be my own publisher. I'm going to do everything myself that they didn't do for me. I learned how to do it all, and then I did it, and then my life changed. I mean, it's it's really the belief in yourself. And what I learned from my first print book that flopped was that you're the only one who's in control. Literally, you. It's all up to you. And if you, uh, for me, I just. I put all my eggs in the publisher's basket. I'm like, they're going to give me a Dr. Oz. They're going to do X, Y, Z for me. They're like, I'm a, this is going to be the next the next big thing in the, in the diet space. At the time when I had that book published, South Beach Diet was like on the bestseller list for like two years in a row or something. I mean, this is the next South Beach. And then the publisher didn't get me the PR placements that I needed. And I didn't blame the publisher that they, they screwed me or they, you know, they told me all this stuff in our meeting. Well, what, it's going to be the next franchise and all this stuff. They got me excited about it to buy the book. But, Ultimately, I could sit there and blame them and say that they didn't fulfill all the stuff that they said that they were going to do, or I could point the finger back at myself and said, you didn't know how to sell books, because if you did, you wouldn't need them. So let's figure out how to sell books. And then that's when I became a student of the game. I threw away my college education pretty much and said, let me get a real education for how I'm going to be successful. College is great if you want to work. You know, you want to be an employee, college is awesome. It'll get you a job. You know, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you're going to have to do all kinds of education that's outside of anything you ever learned in school if you want to be successful. And that's what I did. And that whole next year, I became a student. Um, Frank Hearn, Yannick Silver, Ryan Lee, Jeff Walker, all these guys became my, my new teachers. And uh, people look at these guys as like, oh, scam artists, these internet marketers. Uh, no, they're freaking brilliant teachers. And just because... You paid your freaking college a hundred grand probably to go there. Are you going back to them and asking for a refund because they didn't do jack rap for you? They did a heck of a lot less than if you bought one of these courses and actually took action on it. Mm-hmm. Problem is with college, people just go through the motions and, and, and graduate and get a piece of paper and they think they're going to be successful. And you don't just watch a course and then, and then you're successful. You just have to implement it and make it happen for yourself, right? So the biggest thing that I learned through all my failures in the beginning was that I'm the one who's in control, regardless what happens with all these things that worked or didn't work. I'm thousand percent in control of my future. And if that didn't work, let me figure out why and let's change it. I just did that last week. First night of our pop-up event didn't really work. It was fine, but like it didn't work for me, not my standards. Mm -hmm. Adjust. And then we slayed it the next two nights, you know, 
and that's a great feeling. I started my podcast with, with Dan Long, Born to Impact, and everyone's so excited to have us start this podcast. We went to record the first episode. It sucked. I mean, it was terrible. I was so deflated because I've been talking about this podcast forever. It was like, we get a million followers on Instagram and we'll start a podcast. It's going to be the best podcast in the freaking world. Dan Long's my my co-host, Kill Mode. He's like, everyone loves just to be a fly on the wall when we're rapping at, at dinner or whatever. And uh, it's going to be the best ever. We long, I, I hit, recorded the first episode. It was just him and I, thank God, not a, someone we were interviewing. And... It was terrible. I mean, yeah, like I way overthought. I had a PowerPoint, like I was like at a like <laughs> like I was at a teaching at an event or something like that, and it, it was so flat. It sucked, and I thought like, oh man, maybe this podcast stuff isn't for me. And then I quickly just said, look, you've been a guest on these things plenty of times. Just throw the PowerPoint away. <laughs> just. Got a couple bullet, bullet points of what you want to talk about. You know, like you got a couple questions you want to ask me, right? Just get the questions down, the topics, and then just be yourself. Yeah. We did that and then totally changed. But I had anxiety after we did the first episode. Like I thought, like, oh, man. I had anxiety after our first pop-up event. I literally, like, could not sleep that night. I was thinking about how we need to adjust this for tomorrow. Meanwhile, I'm managing so many other things to pull this event off because we just put it together in two and a half weeks. Yeah making sure everyone's going to show up. It's a free event. If everyone paid $1,000, I wouldn't have to be making sure everyone shows up. Right. I got to follow, follow up with everybody that whole day. And I got other people too, but people take Joel Marion's text message a little different than they do assistant, you know? Yeah. So, hey, it's Joel. Just want to make sure you're coming up, coming, coming through tonight. We got a great night planned. No response. Yo, just want to make sure if you do not respond to this text message, you will definitely not have a seat tonight. Like I'm sending those type of messages because I need to have a full room to have the opportunity to sell this mastermind. Yeah. And guess what? I did. It's work just to get people to come to something for free, yeah. you know? And that's what you learn. Like I, uh, you have to be willing to put in the work. I truly don't think that I, I literally I told Lewis house this yesterday. I said, I do not think that anyone else in the world could have filled this mastermind, you know, with, with all I learned with how people think about these things, objections I had to overcome from the mastermind space, the guys who are making 10 million a year, think they got it all figured out to invest, hundred grand. They think they know everybody already. It's the ego thing, all that stuff. I'm like, I literally do not think that anyone else could have pulled it off. And the only way that they would have is if they were willing to put in an insane amount of work to make it happen. And then obviously you got to be able to, you know, sell the thing too, where right? you have to say the right words and all that stuff. But even just having the right words, I had a website that said everything I was saying on the phone already. I had to get on the phone, had to speak with conviction to people, all this stuff. Yep. No matter what, I already and this, and and the thing I told my partner uh, in the supplement business, Josh Bazzoni, the other night when we were talking was, I said, "Listen, this whole experience with the mastermind just really gave me a a, a huge lift in my self belief again. Because if I freaking did this, I can literally do anything, you know." And I looked at what I did when I came from a flop print book to coming online to to just become one of the top marketers in the space to launching this supplement company, to navigating all the, the things that went wrong there and still having to be a success, to launching a, to, to having a failure of a podcast, you know, initially, and then very quickly changing that, to having a, a dinner that sucked the first night in my, from my standards, and then making adjustments. And then this is where all these, most people will give up around the time, you know? And I had all these, all these, I know we're going over time, but like, this is, this is good stuff, I think. This is great stuff. Um, 
I have 24 nine-figure instructors that we recruited who we said we had a contract in place. We're going to pay them 100 grand each, some of them more than that, right? And uh, these are a lot of people. These guys were from Dan's neck of the woods. Guys, merger and acquisitions, you know, managing freaking funds with you know, hundreds of millions of dollars and all this, like big players. And I, I kind of got a little bit of an imposter syndrome when I just agreed to do this in the first place. I mean, do I even fit in with this crew here? I mean, sure, I'm, I'm the email guy, but like, I'm not. I'm, I'm co-founder of this. I'm not just one of the instructors. Like, I'm co-founder of this, and they got these freaking guys who are billionaires who are in our instructor base. And and then we go to sell it. I put the email out there. Craig responds, and like two other guys. I sold three spots the first day. I launched it, and I thought this was going to sell out in, like, a week max, you know? I'm like, this is such a no-brainer, a week max. The three people signed up the first day. A month in, I got maybe 20 spots, maybe. I'm like, I can't even throw the first event with 20 people. I can't even pay our instructors <laughs> with 20 people. Yeah. I got $3 million in cost just with instructors. I have 30 people in just to pay the instructors. Then I got to have money to throw events. And what we promised people was like celebrities, mansions, all this, you know, like I got seven figures in event cost every weekend. So here I am, my back's up against the wall. And I'm like, okay, Joel, you are either going to have to figure this out or you're going to have to tell Fleischman that, uh, which is my partner, that this is way too much work and I don't think we're going to be able to fill it to a hundred people. It's unrealistic. I've been at this for a month and here's where we're at. We got 20 people in. And then my freaking name is crap in the industry. You have to go to all these big players and say, we didn't make it happen. Like those are my options. You know, I, I'm a failure. I ruin relationships with a lot of people that I want to connect with. My name is, is tarnished in a negative way. And then I have this, I couldn't do it, you know, and that, I have that weight on my shoulders for myself. So I'm like, stop being a bitch <laughs> and figure it out. Mm -hmm. And then I just went, pulled every lever I had. I had to ask for help. I'm, I'm very rarely, and you know me, you know me for 10 years. You probably count on a couple of fingers how many times I even asked you for something, right? Yep. But I hit you up and I said, you know anybody here? Like I had to go to every single person I knew for referrals. For I had to pull every lever I could think of to get to this point. Come November 1st, we will have a full house. We're a few spots away from just selling this thing out. So I look back and I'm just like, man, if I can do this, I can do freaking anything. Yeah. So now I'm just going back with, with fire to, to build Biotrust even a little bit more. And I'm gonna have all the help that I need, you know, from the, from this group. But like, I'm on fire that like, yeah, we're we're selling this company next year, and we're gonna do it in a compliant way, and we're gonna do it without weight management products, and we're gonna do it with the help of all these other ninjas that I got to create revenue. We're gonna plug in this subscription model here from Chase and Zach. We're gonna do another eight figures there, and I'm without a doubt like we're gonna have a very successful exit. I know that. Big part of it was just getting myself involved with this. You know, and, and having to do this. This is like, I think, I think God throws opportunities. And one, it's a great opportunity for me. But God was like, I don't know if you're ever going to sell the company unless you have to really go through something really tough. And so he threw this opportunity in my mouth, uh, in, in my path that he knew was going to, you know, serve me in other ways. I had to figure this out. And now I have just the belief, like, it just lit a fire under me that, like, it's, let, let's go with as far as, as far as selling, building this company to sell it and exiting it, 
it, it didn't become like, oh, we want to someday. I'm like, yeah, next year we're doing it. Yeah. You know, and it's a totally different mentality. And it's because I had to solve something that was, you know, I don't, I don't ever wish to put myself in positions where my back is up against the wall with that much stress. But those are the times where I've grown the most every single time. Yep. And I can think of three or four times throughout my career when that has happened. And that was like, I broke through that barrier of like, here's where I was and I was comfortable seven figures. And then, Biotrust hits, and then just getting what that was like, getting that off the ground, and situations like this, and then it's like, oh, I just my identity just pops up a little bit more. Now this is comfortable for me, and then I hit another major obstacle that I have to come through, and, and maybe I go through some anxiety and depression. There's times where I've went through periods where, like, for two months at a time, you want to freaking get out of bed and deal with the stress of whatever it was. Finally, man up, get through it find different ways to navigate through a problem because it's always solvable. Ask for help where needed. Surrender things to God where needed. And then, oh, now here's my identity up here. You know, I'm unstoppable at this point. And it took something like that for me to get into a – maybe I needed to get in that frame of mind just to be able to really serve the community the right way mm-hmm. and to be able to have the confidence to feel like I belong in this group with all these ninja guys that we brought in. You know, and, that, and that's coming from, that's vulnerable for me to say that from a guy who runs a nine-figure business who people call LeBron James of email marketing and all that, you know. Yeah. I felt a little bit out of place. And then I doubted myself, was I going to be able to do this? And now here we are. We're going to have a full house in November, and it feels pretty freaking good. And uh, I'm excited that I had the opportunity to level up my identity again. Well, dude, I want to thank you for sharing so much, man. Yeah. Uh, like, like, dude, like, like, seriously, that was, like, super honest and raw, and I think a lot of people are going to be really fucking inspired by it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, just, I'm dead serious. Yeah, man. <laughs> dude. Dude, boom. Thank you so much, man. So, yeah, thank you so much for your time and your generosity, dude. You well, really thank are. you for flying here, man. Uh, your brother, you know, I, lo- I look at you as, like, a son in some aspects. <laughs> Not that much older than you, but, you know, you were, you were the 19-year-old kid when I met you. I was only, like, 28 or whatever but um you know it's it's been fun to watch you come up do what you're doing you're inspiring a lot of people building your brand um a unique brand unique personal brand i always uh referring people your way and telling people probably got a bunch of copywriting course sales from me because uh, i get dm <laughs> about copywriting all the time i just tell them buy jason capitals because i don't have one um I wish to come out with an email marketing course next because uh, and just use all the stuff that I taught you because I get asked <laughs> for email marketing course literally every day and I just don't have anything to give people. So uh, that's your next project. There it is. Uh, I, I mean, I think, I think you shared a pretty good amount on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm always stoked every time we have an opportunity to get together and uh, too, I'm grateful for you guys traveling here and, I'm grateful for the opportunity to serve your community, your tribe, and hopefully they get a lot of value out of this. And and um, anything else I can do for you, you know I got your back. Dude, I feel the exact same way. Yeah. Thank you Thanks, so much, brother. man. Yeah, hey, you right. got it. <laughs>